0: Soaking up the sun, he is a real lover, of making up the past and feeling up his girl like he's never felt a figure before. When I thought about the sort of show I wanted to do, I kept coming back to the idea of giving advice. I think it's something about being the youngest of five kids that makes me want to throw myself into any given situation and give my two cents. Maybe even slap my hand on a desk and exclaim authoritatively, not on my watch. Then I thought about it. A 23-year-old college dropout giving advice from his childhood bedroom. I imagined myself recording episodes between bouts of agonizing over how I'm going to get my feral cat colony under control and manage my anxiety enough to go back to school. That's when I realized I had to make that show. As the concept materialized, I started considering how my advice would be taken with the expectation that I have some sort of expertise on the subject at hand. If I were to talk about the bewildering phenomenon of middle-class white Christian homophobic bros acting incredibly gay, I'd be expected to read a book or two about it first. But that's dumb. Expertise on a subject, while admirable and something worth striving towards, shouldn't be necessary to speak on it, especially when you're living and observing it and passionately curious about it. But really, if anybody knows a good book on the appropriation of gay culture by Christian bros, let me know. Then I had another realization. Given my position, it would be difficult to facilitate a substantial amount of submissions, let alone one advice-seeking letter. Then I had my aha moment. Trademark Winfrey. I have my own questions. Why shouldn't I ask them in front of people? Who knows? Maybe you have the same question. Maybe you even have the answer. I decided even when I lacked the proper expertise, I would talk about it anyways, it being whatever the subject that kept me up at night, that kept you, the listener, up at night. I'd talk about it, ask a guest's advice, give my advice, but then I'd also ask to hear back from yours, the listener's advice. My kitschy little title, Dear Read, both words spelled with two e's, would refer to questions seeking my advice and missives giving me advice. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll actually get some real submissions. Maybe then I can stop asking my own questions and tackle someone else's problems for a change. Whomever is asking the question, it doesn't matter. Why should the conversation have to wait for the ideal time? Let's talk about it now. Very good
1: advice, but I very seldom follow
0: it. That explains the trouble that I'm always in. Episode 1, Friendship Between Guys and Guys Who Like Guys I'm having trouble establishing friendships with other guys. I'm a gay guy who's always found it difficult to relate to other guys on a substantial level, unless it's in a romantic context. Whether the guy is straight or gay, I find it difficult on some level. I wonder, is a friendship between two gay men inherently different than a friendship between a gay man and a straight man? If so, in what ways? For my inaugural episode, I spoke on the phone with the founder and CEO of BeSmartGuide.com, a platform for women to learn, connect, and promote their brands, products, or ideas. Megan grew up in Virginia Beach, received her degree from Wake Forest University before moving to Manhattan, where she leveraged her arts degree into a successful career on Wall Street. Megan lives on the Upper East Side with her pug, Stella, and her husband, Joe. Naturally, as the founder of a website dedicated to connecting and celebrating women, I thought of Megan when tackling this guy-on-guy question. So, Megan, how are you today?
1: I'm great. I love that you thought I was appropriate to answer this packed question.
0: Of course. I mean, the truth is, though, there just aren't any men in my life who could uh, make it today, or men at all. So, just kidding. No, you were definitely my first choice. Did you get a chance to read the question? I did. So, what are your, like, initial thoughts?
1: So, I think in order to answer with any context, I need to disclose that I am, um, I identify as a heterosexual woman. I'm 35, Um, I've been married for 12 years to my college sweetheart, and that was my first serious boyfriend. I also want to draw an an important distinction to this conversation about when we talk about um, gender and sexuality, because at the core of what you're talking about is connection Mm -hmm. and what connection is appropriate. And I think that if we take into consideration our sexuality, then we're also going to be talking about how our gender plays a role in determining Mm -hmm. that sexuality. So I just wanted to lay the framework with who I am, my perspective, and how we can have genuine connections with people. Yes. I'm always a lot to handle on interviews, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfect. But I think you will really have some really great insight.
1: Yeah, so the question you've asked is can a gay man have – connection, deep intimacy with other men, gay or straight, and what are the barriers to that? I want to say that everyone needs some form of intimacy, sexual, Mm -hmm. emotional, mental, but not everyone, not everyone can connect with everyone, and not everyone should certainly have intimacy with everyone, and and different levels of intimacy are appropriate. So again, throwing out some buzzwords, um, connectivity, intimacy, emotional, physical, and mental. So with that all of that being said and asterisk asterisk see legal disclaimer, see legal disclaimer, I wanna say that um being a heterosexual woman, I I don't have any I don't have any relationships with straight men who I'm attracted to and theoretically they're attracted to me. Mm -hmm. Um I I I have connections with plenty of straight men, but I don't have any relationships with any level of intimacy. I obviously don't have sexual intimacy. Um, now that's because I'm in a committed relationship. On the other hand, whether I'm single or not, the possibility of intimacy, sexual or emotional. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, mental is possible, and therefore there is a gate there's a barrier that's mm-hmm. not to say I don't have connectivity with straight mm-hmm. men in my community, that I don't have relationships with them, email, mm-hmm. text, correspondence, and helpful but if there's a conscious choice on both sides that I don't nurture intimacy with them on any level or put mm-hmm. myself in that situation because the possibility of intimacy emotional, sexual, or mental is always possible. And unless we both come together with an interest in that, it would be unfair to the other person. So for you, as someone who is asking a question about connections with other gay men, it's very interesting because the parallel, if we were to assume there is a parallel, then I'm suggesting without intending to that you never have intimacy with gay guys unless Mm -hmm. you're both under the understanding that's something that you want, whether you're Mm -hmm. monogamous or not monogamous. Mm -hmm. So so I think it obviously does deeply, deeply complicate relationships.
0: I was relieved to hear what seemed to be her affirmation that sexuality does affect relationships between people of the same gender. Throughout the interview, but especially towards the beginning, I couldn't help but feel that maybe my question was a non-starter or lacking substance. Asking the question sort of felt like when you ask your mother to help you because her label maker isn't turning on, but then it turns on the first time she tries it. I digress. Either way, at times I felt like a simpleton. Does anybody really care if a friendship between two men is influenced by their sexuality? If anything, I was just exemplifying my lack of ability to acquire male friends, which was more likely due to my dumb questions and label-maker ownership status. It didn't help that the new presence of a call recording app made me uncharacteristically meek. I was putting blonde, Caucasian 70s Jesus to shame. Megan was quick to point out that while she did see the complications sexual orientation brings to friendships between people of the same gender, she was wary not to overcomplicate the theoretical friendship unnecessarily.
1: On the other hand, I don't want to make something more complicated than it seems to be because I have friends who are lesbians who I love deeply, and I care about deeply. I'm straight, they're gay, um, and I would say that I am intimate with them emotionally. And mm-hmm. I'm intimate with them mentally, but obviously not sexually. Mm-hmm. So that's a dynamic where there's a straight person and a gay person in relationship, friends mm-hmm. for many years, new friends. So I don't I, I obviously don't want to say something so ridiculous or su- superficial that, you know, two people of the same gender can't be alone in a room with wine. Cause something might happen. <laughs> I'm just saying what right. the rules of the game are for in my life as a straight person that I would not put myself in that situation with a straight man. However, with my friends who are a lesbian, we would absolutely be at home alone with a mm-hmm. bottle of wine and right. very, very much uh, close and sharing our hearts. Um, and without that, you know, without the risk of, of feelings getting hurt in either direction, probably because of how we know each other. Hmm. So, so, I think it has to do with intention. I think it has to do, and clearly one person can form feelings, romantic feelings for another person, regardless of gender and sexuality, for on um, the part of either person. Mm-hmm. So we have to take a look at intention. You have right. to say, what is my intention? Is my intention that if this goes further, I'm okay with that sexually, emotionally, or mentally, or not? And then put mm-hmm. yourself in that situation or don't put yourself in that situation to pre- protect that ever happening. The Questions and thoughts so far? I know I've, I've thrown you a lot. No, I and love it.
0: I love it. This is so great. Because really, you're kind of hitting on lots of different points. You know, your interaction with straight men, um, I find fascinating. And, of course, it's relative to how we all um, conduct our personal lives and what boundaries are useful to us, of course, as you said. Um I find it really interesting, the comparison between your relationships with heterosexual men and your relationships with lesbian women who are um, oriented towards you, but, but you aren't necessarily oriented towards them. I find that really interesting how your dynamic kind of switches there. Um, do you think that is based off of gender identification?
1: Well, I see gender on a spectrum. I don't think anyone's completely male or completely female, and I mm-hmm. think that... What we term male and female um, in terms of non-biological factors, so aggressive or passive or emotional or logical I think um, that is really important to make a distinction as well. With the spectrum of gender and with the spectrum of sexuality, you know, it depends on where you are in the moment, but you, it doesn't really matter who's there. Right. So it, so it goes back, I guess, I guess, to intention, meaning why was I, why am I comfortable being emotionally intimate with my lesbian friends, um, mm-hmm. and not emotionally intimate with my male friends? Well, maybe that's because the nature of those girl friendships, maybe there's a more boundary there, but it is a bit short sighted of me to say it's different with my female friends, regardless of their sexuality, because enough, you know, because it could just easily move in that direction um, Right. if if we're all completely honest um mm-hmm. and awakened se- sexually so i i think I think it also you know it's my life stage i'm I've been married twelve years and i'm thirty five so I have entered into a contract with a person whereby mm-hmm. I will not intentionally be more emotionally mentally or sexually close to anyone but this person i right. will It's that I can have a degree of physical intimacy, but not sexual intimacy. I can have degrees of emotional intimacy, but not more intimacy. And and to be honest, I have determined that for me, I want to be close. I want to have intimacy with my husband more than I have intimacy with anyone else. So I prioritize it with my time. Mm -hmm. But that does go to your point, it has to be a decision predetermined that you live up to, and that under a v- variety of circumstances, genders and sexuality, everything is possible. Be patient
0: is very good advice, but the waiting makes me curious, and I love the change. Should something strange
1: begin.
0: And this is why I wanted to speak with you because I think you have a very specific um, vantage point. Um, but I kind of wanted to um, raise the question too before we get even more specific to kind of the heart of this question. What Be Smart does for women is really kind of build relationships in an effort to kind of move forward and move past prejudice towards women. So my question is kind of an odd one, but do you think all of that sort of applies to gay men as well? Do you feel like there's that much of a need for community in gay men as there is in women?
1: Absolutely. Everybody needs community. Everyone needs to belong. Everyone needs to feel accepted. And everyone needs to feel prized and valued and that they can grow and flourish and accomplish their life's highest potential, wanted and supported by that community, not in spite of Mm -hmm. their gender or sexuality, but because of it. You do need connection with men, women, gays, straight, old, young. That is community. (laughs) It's not that community would be nice to have. Community support is actually an insen- essential ingredient in helping mm-hmm. you be and do everything you are meant to be and do. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's what Be Smart does for, for young women. We're an intentional community with a set of core values to lift each other up and lift ourselves up. Um, and to that end, I would be you know open and willing and committed to provide the same thing to gay, to gay men um, if that's helpful.
0: I appreciated Megan's emphasis on the value of community. I've noticed that both my immediate social circle and society at large are obsessed with community while still disregarding its value. It's almost as if they view it as a result of their achievements rather than a source of fulfillment and inspiration. I think community should be like a tastefully and minimally decorated home, or in my case, my room in my parents' home. Only acquire the things you feel passionately about. Invest in those things, whether that be monetarily or with time and paint, and resist the urge to fill empty spaces with things you're apathetic about. I imagine myself in a thrift store, but instead of IKEA coffee tables and maimed paperback romance novels, the humanoid equivalents sit on racks and in corners. I come across a perfectly nice urban side table, not my taste. The table speaks at me. Hey, Reed, want to come to my artist jam session bonfire? I reply. I'm sorry, but I'm apathetic about you. He continues. Are you sure? You look so sad and lonely, bud. The animated side table isn't wrong, but I stick to my guns and reply. I-, I think I'm gonna hold out for a last door bookshelf that I can put my Blu-rays in, one that answers my FaceTime calls and will wear an oversized jacket to movies with me so we can sneak in milkshakes. Thanks, though. See? Intentional. Minimal. Honest. So basically, I think what I'm getting at in this question is, do these relationships look different? Does my relationship with a gay man look different than friendship with a heterosexual man? Should it? What do you think?
1: Sure. I would say, yes, it is a different relationship, but I would have to qualify that and say, it's not binary. There are not two types of relationships. Those with straight mm-hmm. people and they're gay with people. There are a million-plus relationships for each person who is unique. It's not binary, gay, or straight. It is person-to-person, person. and your ability to draw a boundary around those intimacies is constantly um, up for, for, for doing or not doing.
0: Interesting. And I think the way that you're speaking about boundaries is not necessarily boundary in an exclusive uh, context, but more so in an inclusive context in the sense of when I set this boundary, I'm really including you to this length in my life, which I think a lot of people could benefit from that sort of idea. You know, a boundary not being something uh, that's pushing somebody away or limiting their place in your life, but really just making a specific place in your life, which I think is great. It's
1: it's being proactive about your intimacy um, plus or minus. And when you're, You have to remember, though, but when you're in a situation of healthy community support, where you feel loved, you feel valued, and you feel connected, then you're going to be in a position whereby you can um, insert healthy relationship boundaries because you're not going to want to crisscross the intention for emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy for just really needing great great friends because everyone needs great friends.
0: I noticed intentionality seemed to be at the heart of Megan's perspective on the topic. What I like about intentionality is that it calls on us to be honest with ourselves as well as those closest to us. Just like it's generally known that you can never be wrong in Sunday school if you answer Jesus, you can never go wrong when answering life's questions with honesty. But let's be honest, sometimes the answer to Sunday school questions is sometimes really Satan, or the blood of the wicked, or something like that. Honesty is the Sunday school answer equivalent to life. You can't be wrong when you're honest. But I should warn you, all of the other Sunday school kids will hate you and think you're obnoxious. Speaking of Sunday school, growing up in a conservative Christian community, I noticed a lot of dishonesty in an effort to make those connections and friendships. It's sad. Maybe a young woman is told her attraction to another young man is inappropriate. And that repressed desire for connection turns into unhealthy connections and friendships that are trying to fill that repressed need. This is the single biggest issue with gays in non-affirming communities. The culture, intentionally or not, encourages dishonesty. If you're honest about your orientation towards your same sex, not only is that intimate connection made unavailable, but platonic connection is almost impossible to achieve as well, most likely due to the community's discomfort. So us gays pretend, we just really like him as a friend, and the result is a toxic community built on dishonesty and muddled intentions. It seemed the answer to my question was intention. I shared that with Megan to which she responded.
1: Because it goes both ways. If we're honest about our intention, it goes both ways. Regardless of gender, regardless of sexuality. It's, hey, I may be in becoming sexually involved with you, but really I just need a better friend. And I wish (laughs) I wasn't sexually involved with you. Or it's, hey. I'm the, I'm calling you all the time and I'm in your life all the time that, That's because what I really want is a sexual involvement. And if you don't give me a sexual involvement, I'm going away. So <laughs> it, go, it goes both ways. And right. it's really important that you not try to fulfill a sexual need and an emotional need and an emotional need with a sexual need.
0: Wouldn't it be great if we talk that way? Just walk up and be like, if I don't get my sexual connection, I'm going to go away
1: well, be a fly on my wall,
0: and you see it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. I think that your your work with Be Smart really speaks to the answer you, you've given, which is intentionality, and you know openness within boundaries. And even your your work is uh, geared towards and aimed at women, but at the same time, I love how it's open for anybody, and I think that's awesome. And what we spoke about today too with. Uh, differences in friendships and relationships. And it is influenced by gender and uh, sex and all those things that complicate our lives. But at the same time, uh, not really. It's kind of open and gray and just as unique as each individual friendship. That's kind of what I took away. Do you you feel the same?
1: Absolutely. Did you come to
0: Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) If not, we'd have to spend another 30 minutes. So, Megan, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed her talk, so thank you.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I especially liked one of Megan's earlier points, that not everyone can connect with everyone. Most likely it just resonated with my introverted temperament and affinity for feeling special. I think friendliness and openness is a requirement of all decent people. You can be friendly to everyone. That's kindness, an appropriate connection to have with the everyman. But I don't think you can be friends with everyone. That's insincere. Then again, this is probably my fear of being patronized talking. It was very interesting to hear the comparison between Megan's relationships with straight men and lesbian women, and the conclusion that her closer friendships with women were the result of healthier boundaries rather than gender. Megan's focus on intention made me realize that I was already being intentional by asking my question. I'm trying to lay it all out there in the hopes of more successful and beneficial friendships in the future. And I think transparency in my intentions is a good start. Visit Megan's site, BeSmartGuide.com, to learn more about the great work she's doing for women. January 29th, Be Smart is hosting an event alongside Lululemon featuring a complimentary yoga class and mimosas on the mat, with a conscious eating discussion afterwards. You can RSVP on the site. To do the things I should do.